I'm Alex Mellis. And I'm Tai Fu. And uh, we're still actually not back on Sundays. I, I thought of it's a Saturday today because I'm actually starting at a, a new job tomorrow on Sunday. So I wasn't going to be free. So we're recording Saturday today. And the Canadians, contrary to I think both of our predictions from a couple days ago, actually do have a 2 nothing series lead in round two over the Winnipeg Jets. Not only that, um, they have a five-game winning streak. And according to Chris Johnston, this is their first five-game winning streak since like early December 2017 in the 17-18 <laughs> season where they finished fourth last in the NHL. They had a five-game winning streak and they haven't had a single one since then. And considering the times in like relatively recent memory, you were like when they had that like nine game win streak to start the year. And it feels like even at the start of this year, like, oh, they were so good. Really? They didn't win five in a row? No, they didn't. This is the first one, three against the Leafs and then two against the Jets in the playoffs. And and the sense I get from more in game one, less so in game two, because that one was pretty boring, was that the Canadians were are still riding the momentum of beating the Leafs and completing that upset. And a lot of times that kind of thing, that kind of momentum can really push you and hold you through a longer stretch of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and man, it just seems like they they really took the neutral zone trap game to a whole new level. I think that, you know, when Ducharme came in, I think this was probably what he wanted all along. It took a while to kind of get things settled down, make them boring enough for Ducharme's taste. Uh, and uh, here we are, and man, I, I I have mixed emotions about this because on one hand <laughs> you have a five game winning streak, uh, which is awesome, in the freaking playoffs, and it's they have come back from a three one series deficit. It's the freaking Maple Leafs, and yeah, here we, and you have a two nothing lead in round two, on track to win the division, and yet I swear to God this might be the most boring Habs hockey I've ever seen in my entire life. All right, like even when they're bad, bad. All right, like it's just kind of funny to watch them get shit kicked sometimes. Um, but like this isn't even that. This is just let's put five guys in the middle of the ice, and then when they get it in, get it out, break out of the ice. And you know what? To their credit, they're fucking good at it. All right, in the last five games, this is the best I've seen them play this system ever. All right, and apparently it's led the results. But oh my god. Does it ever feel like sometimes I wish I could just play this on two times speed so I can get through all the boring parts and all the ads um, so I can get to the highlights? Because yeah. holy crap, it's kind of brutal to watch, even though you yeah, win. Yeah, I understand. I, f- I feel like you're mostly saying those things with game two being the most recent one and that one like kind of fresh yeah, in your mind. Fair. Because that was by far the most boring game they've played in the playoffs so far. Uh, even, you know, like the ones they lost to Toronto for the most part. Like, I think back to like the later games against the Maple Leafs, especially game five and six, where they got out to that early 3 nothing lead and then to that early 2 nothing lead. Uh, that was super fun. And when they were, you know, uh, aggressive and, you know, on the forecheck a lot. And then once they got out to those leads, as we saw, uh, they kind of, that's when they started to get into more of a defensive shell as you might say and obviously it failed in both those times and i mean to their credit it seems like they got a lot better at it against the jets in game two obviously i'm sure it's not a secret what what we would both prefer prefer and what you know most probably you know other at least casual fans would prefer uh and it's probably a smarter idea in terms of increasing likelihood of winning we saw the penguins you know when they got up I'm, I'm talking about like the 2016, 2017 playoff runs where they won the Stanley cup. One thing that I, that really stuck out in my mind 
was game six or game seven, I think, against the Lightning, who they played in the conference final in uh, one of those two years, 2016 it was. They had like a two-to-one lead in the third period. And normally when that type of thing happens, you're used to seeing the team that's down getting most of the scoring chances. Uh, The Lightning barely got any scoring chances. It kept on being, you know, like Crosby, Malkin, Phil Kessel. They kept on getting the scoring chances to try and advance the lead. And when you continue applying pressure like that, it's harder for the other team to to counter that. And it seems like Dominic Ducharme hasn't really figured that out. And I mean, it's I guess you could say it's worked so far to some extent, not to the extent that they couldn't blow two multi-goal, you know, third period leads against Toronto games five and six. But it worked uh, yesterday in game two against Winnipeg. And to be honest, I don't I think I mean, it's not fair to say that that's like a one-off of a boring game because I assume that's what Dominic Ducharme is going to be aiming for. But like game one was super exciting. Uh, and especially the start of the game, they were really just firing on all cylinders right away. Uh, they got those two early goals and I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah. Um, and I think what it is, is that um, when the Habs are playing like the better team right now uh, and they're playing their system better. And I think, you know, I think it's going to work for this series. Like at this point, given what I see in the first two games and I, yeah, it's, it's not such a hot take given that they're up to nothing. But, you know, the Habs aren't often the better team because they're just not a very good team. But it seems like the Jets, they kind of suck shit. I mean, like, Connor Hellbuck's been he was solid. He was great in Game 2. He was all right in Game 1. Uh, and, but aside from that, I mean, you know, it's one thing they're missing Shifley, and we'll talk about the hit and all that later. But they're missing him. Stastny hasn't played. And, but regardless, like, it seems like they can't really solve the Habs like neutral zone trap system at all and whatever they're trying it's not really leading to that many scoring chances and when they do you know carry price has been on top of their game and so you know if i'm the jets like what what's the answer here i i don't know because it's just like they're not a very good team at all uh and th- you know it's not like the leafs where you know the habs get up three nothing bunker down and then the leafs have the t- enough talent to, you know, generate stuff. Like, they have enough depth, and especially in the top end, even though they didn't, you know, Matthews and Marner, they didn't produce so much. But, like, the Leafs across the board had enough talent on their roster to kind of claw back uh, to the point where, you know, when it was 3 nothing, 2 nothing, I certainly didn't feel like those leads were safe at all. Um, with the Jets, I kind of see these leads, and the Habs go out to a lead, and I look at how the Jets play, and I'm like, ah, I don't feel so much in danger. Uh, and so, like, you know, I know it's round two, but, like, I feel much more confident that, well, you know, the series lead has to do with it, but also just in terms of style of play, that the Habs can close this out in a timely fashion. Because, frankly speaking, like, I know the Jets swept the Oilers, but it seems that they're a terrible matchup for the Habs in the style of gameplay that they have. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, like, uh, four days ago when we had our last episode about, oh, Montreal Ducharme should try to employ the strategy that really takes advantage of the weaknesses in the Jets lineup, which are on defense uh, and on team defense overall, because most of their forwards, especially their high end forwards are not very good defensively at all. And we were like, Oh, so they better play, you know, a more aggressive style and which they haven't done. But I think what we kind of didn't really acknowledge is that when a team is so bad on defense, like the Jets are, uh, and we've seen several specific examples of that, notably a, a Shea Weber breakaway in game one comes to mind. And I think Eric Stahl had two breakaways yesterday in game two. I don't understand how a team that just beat Connor McDavid 
can somehow also, you know, allow Eric Stahl and Shea Weber to have breakaways in back-to-back games. But anyway, um, I think Montreal maybe actually can afford to play a little bit more of a conservative style because they know uh, as soon as they do get a chance to attack, you know, have an odd man rush or whatever. Um, actually, first of all, those odd man rushes, because uh, th- they'll be easier to come by. They'll be more frequent because the Jets are so bad defensively. Uh, so you're going to get more opportunities just naturally because of that than you did against Toronto and then you would against a lot of other teams. And also it will be easier to capitalize on them. I, maybe not exactly um, because, you know, Connor Hellebuck is great, but it will be easier to get grade A scoring chances even if you are playing a more defensive style. Yeah. And, you know, for Paul Maurice, uh, you know, as the head coach of the Jets, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Why is he not making any sort of adjustment in game two? Um, you know, like, it's the rush chances. The Habs, you all series against the Leafs. That's how they always hit the Leafs in the mouth. You know, the rush, the rush. Um, you know, the counterattack. And yet, it's like a fucking open gate over there. A swinging door, a turnstile. Uh, with the Jets. It just seems like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, do you not tell your players, like, watch out, the Habs, the one thing that they, they're really good at, or not even really good at, just think the best thing that they got going for them on offense is the rush. Like, you don't think of the Habs, when you watch the Habs, you don't think, oh, now this is a team that can get some sustained offensive zone pressure. Like, I've never, I have not seen any of that from the Habs. They it's always kind of, you know, yeah, very rare, especially against teams that are better than them, like, you know, the Leafs or, you know, in the regular season, the Jets. And so, you know, make them do that. Make the Habs, like, in order to score the points, make them get, like, fight for that offense, like, that sustained pressure. And, but it seems like the Jets have uh, no interest in that. And they just play too, way too aggressive. Uh, and their offensive chances that they get to get out of that aggression is they're not even that good. And, and then they're just they're leaving their defensive end completely exposed. And their players suck in the defensive yeah. zone. And uh, this is what you get. You're just relying way too much on Hellbuck. And they were missing their probably best defensive defenseman, Dylan DeMello, who left, I think, was it 29 seconds into game one? Uh, he got injured. And so who was it? Was It was Jordy Ben, actually. Former half Jordy Ben, who stepped into the lineup to take his spot on the third. Well, actually, Tucker Pullman moved up to the top pair next to Josh Morrissey. Uh, and Jordy Ben was there on the bottom pair next to Logan Stanley. Whoever, everyone appears to be noticing, wow, Logan Stanley, he kind of sucks. Uh, which can be said about most of the Winnipeg Jets defensemen. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I think that goes to show you take out one defenseman, you take out Dylan DeMello, and everything all of a sudden looks much worse. That's probably a, a pretty bad sign for Winnipeg. Uh, speaking of players missing in lineups, uh, how's that for a segue? Uh, one player, of course, was miss- missing on uh, each side of the lineup yesterday uh, because of Mark Shifley's dirty hit right near the end of game one which I'm sure everyone saw. I think uh, Sportsnet kind of took the hint from some complaints about how they played the John Tavares injury from round one way too much. And I think they either maybe I just wasn't paying as much attention or they just dialed it back a lot on this one, on the, the, the Jake Evans injury. Everyone has seen it, of course. Jake Evans, you know, wrap around on the empty net. Mark Shifley charged almost the entire full length of the ice to line up this dirty hit. Uh, it was Jake Evans' first ever playoff goal. Should have been a very happy moment for him. It wasn't, uh, for obviously. And Shifley got suspended four games. Um, I think I saw fun things like, oh, this is the longest suspension for a charge in like five years. Uh, it's the only suspension for a charge in the playoffs in, in like eight years or things like that. I might be getting things mixed up. 
Um, and I guess I kind of because a lot of fans, I think I'm guilty of this as well. Uh, look at these hits and don't necessarily think about it in terms of what's the rule, what's the NHL's rule that's being broken here. We just say, "Wow, that was dangerous and aggressive," uh, and the player got hurt, and we kind of just go case by case, thinking like, "Oh, uh, what should the player have not done here? Hurt the other player?" Uh, when really you have to look at it, or the NHL at least does, and say, "Which of our rules did they break?" And I'm. I think my, my understanding is that it, it is like on the line of not necessarily meeting the definition for like a suspendable hit to the head just because like Jake Evans was like not entirely facing away from Mark Shifley and it fit the definition of a, a charge much more accurately. So they're like, all right, uh, the, the hearing is for charging. And because charging suspensions are pretty rare and usually not that serious, that's why there's a lot of talk like, oh, this might not even be more than more than like one or maybe t- maybe two games and i was like oh man that sucks but they gave him four and i know that it's a product of our expectations being lowered so much but i think the four is probably as good as we could hope for as a suspension yeah you weren't getting this dops are you kidding me um you were not going to get more than four games uh just all the chatter about one and two like that's where i that's they lowered my expectations all the way to well if he gets suspended you know, at least that's a start, but that's not, anyways, that's, that's just how low the fucking bar is. Um, but four games. Yeah. For, for what, it, for, for the standards that are, that are set now, it's, uh, it's, it's a solid suspension, I guess. I would have suspended him for the rest of the series. Um, a, the hit was deserving. B, you can eliminate any sort of, you know, Habs retaliation or any of that nonsense. Uh, if the series gets to that long, uh, and, but you know, they weren't going to do that, I guess. Uh, but, Look, as for the the labels and all that, like, I, like, I don't think of those labels, you know, as a charging hit to the head so much either. But like, does it really matter in the end? I don't really it think. Shouldn't, it, like, maybe the NHL the- it does. Yeah, right. So maybe to the NHL, like, who when they're deciding these things and oh, which box does it tick? But like, even then, like, you call it something. But like, I don't think in the rule book there's like a set number of games. You know what I mean? Like, oh, char- You know what I mean? Like charging. Uh, is a suspendable offense for one to four games. Like, I think, you know, you look at the severity of the hit, how brutal it was, the result of, you know, whether he was injured or not, I guess, since they like to look at that. Uh, And also just like the intent of the play, which in this case was to injure. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a more blatant uh, case of like, you know, charging or any such offense where it was like the, well, other than, you know, assorted Tom Wilson uh, nonsenses uh, where it was clear that the intent was to injure. I mean, look, I don't understand how Paul Maurice, I get it's his job uh, to defend the players, but man, how can you possibly look at that and defend it? What do you say? It was a hard hit, but it was clean. Yeah, bull fucking shit. It was clean. Uh, that, that, was, that was some dirty shit. All right. He did not try to prevent the goal. He gave up on the puck. He said, all right, well, he's uh, Jake Evans is going to score a goal. Let me just fucking knock the life out of him. Um, and so, you know, for that kind of hand of shit, and it's obvious, there's no defending it. There's no saying, oh, he was playing the puck. He's trying to prevent the goal. There's absolutely none of that in this case. Uh, look, I think, you know, you throw the puck at the guy. That's the, this kind of crap. Like, you know, the the even the spur of the moment, you know, hit to the head stuff, we want that out of the game. But, like, the, especially the malicious intent to injure bullshit, like, there's no excuse for that whatsoever. Uh, and so, 
Yeah, four games. Like, I get, oh, you know, second round playoffs. There's a multiplier. So you could say it's eight regular season games. But, man, that hit was so fucking dirty that, you know, like, eight regular season games, I don't think it's enough. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and for Evans, oh, my God, that was fucking rough to watch. Uh, I hope he's okay mm-hmm. soon. And, uh, yeah, it's rough because last year he also had, a, in like, in the playoffs or in the playing series, he also had a, another head injury, right? Uh, and so, you know, you hate yeah. to see that kind of, uh, repetitive head injuries. That's 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 not good for Evans. Um, but yeah, that's fucking rough to watch. And uh, hopefully, Shifley, you know, I hopefully like if doesn't it, if do it again. Games, it doesn't do it again. But also, you know, like I I wouldn't want to see this kind of devolve into like a shit show if he comes back in Game Six or Seven. Right. Um. Well, it would be it would be Game Six. Uh. Anyway, as for Palmeries, I feel like. We've talked about this before. It might have been like Alan Vigneault, or it might have been even him. Obviously, you would expect coaches to defend their players. Um, I think Paul Maurice, he went overboard here. Uh, and I think he's done it before. Because honestly, as a fan of a team, say any Montreal Canadian did this, I would I would hope the coach is like, uh, yeah, that player made a mistake. Uh, and we don't want any of our players to do that. Not just because, obviously, you know, you don't want to condone anything that injured uh, a player on another team. You also, you don't want any of your players to do anything that might get them suspended. So if you, so I never understood why a coach isn't, you know, more, um, I guess maybe, you know, privately, it could be a little bit different. But like facing the media, I don't understand why a coach would be like, uh, yeah, we're, we're disappointed in what Mark Shifley did, uh, even if you framed it like, oh, we're disappointed because now he won't be available for four games. I would want the coach to not defend the player if the player didn't deserve defending for the hit. And I don't think that should be a hard and fast rule that Paul Maurice is always like, oh yeah, my player made the clean hit. Anyway, moving on. Another thing I did want to shout out was Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, and that great picture was taken by someone who they kept on uh, citing. I don't remember his name anymore. Uh, but basically, I'm sure everyone saw Nikolai Ehlers when he saw Jake Evans lying on the ice there, obviously in distress. And all the other players on both teams who were on the ice just started, you know, shoving, getting into a scrum there. And Nikolai Ehlers uh, was the only one who appeared to be concerned for Jake Evans. Uh, and he came over and he held the scrum back and shielded them from potential potentially like you know hitting jake evans injuring him even further and dominic Ducharme actually who had coached Ehlers in uh halifax thanked him afterward so uh man nikolai Ehlers, that's uh that's some good stuff yep absolutely okay is there anything else we you want to talk about on, uh, when it comes to the series so far or uh, moving forward as it comes back to montreal uh i mean you know similar to like Demello being out like just taking Mark Shifley out of the Jets lineup makes it look so much worse than it already was. Yeah. I noticed because, uh huh, and that's not a sign of a well built team when you can remove one player and everything kind of falls apart. I'll bring up the, the the Penguins again. They were known for having injuries to their top players for long stretches of time, uh, throughout the past ten years, and throughout all of it, they've never missed the playoffs. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you take one player off the Jets lineup, Mark Shifley, and Andrew Kopp is filling in a, a top-line center, or uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, who hasn't really been playing like a top-line center at all since he joined the Jets. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was kind of interesting. 
Yeah, the Jets fucking suck. <laughs> like yeah. uh, they're not a well-built team at all. You know, like their first line, their first line wasn't even that good. Like they were even when Shifley was in there, they were like shut down by you know the Dano line. Um, and you know, really, what was keeping them afloat was no Nikolai Ehlers is fucking good. Um, and yeah, and that's that's what was kind of holding the team together. You know, like remember when Ehlers was gone right in the regular season? Uh, this team was fucking awful. <laughs> they lost so many damn yeah. games. Um, and you know, Ehlers is healthy now, but like you're still losing key pieces like Shifley. Uh, we don't know when Paul Stasty's gonna come back. And without those two guys, who you know, like really, your team is built around fucking Paul Stastny being healthy, and if not, um, you're it's complete dog shit. Um, that's not a sign of a well-built team. Uh, and it's not the defense is fucking awful. We've talked about that before. Uh, even like incredible, it's just incredible. Even with Dylan DeMello, it's just a terrible way. You take fucking Dylan DeMello out of there, and now it's somehow exponentially worse. Uh, one of the worst in the league at this Dr. point. Uh, it's just holy crap. Uh, and yeah, it's just like the top six without those two guys who, frankly, I'm not even such a big fan of. I don't think they're particularly good, particularly Stastny. Uh, and you're looking at yeah, you're looking at an underwhelming Pierre Luc Dubois or fucking Andrew Kopp on the first line. Uh, and that just means more scrubs are bumped up in the bottom six too, which was not good to begin with. And so, yeah, when I say like, you know, like it seems that on paper and now like on the ice as well, the Habs are just a better built team uh, in terms of skaters. Yeah, it looks, it looks even more well-defined now. And so like looking at it to nothing, like uh, especially the way they've played, like it's not even... It's not. It's not as humorous as it's not nearly as humorous as it was against the Leafs. Because now it's like, well, it's like the Habs are the better team, so it sure feels like they should kind of win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before when you were when you were talking about um, Paul Maurice, was there another point you made there? Because I feel like there was something else you said that I was going to comment on, and I've now forgotten what it is, and it's bugging me. Do you have any recollection? Uh, no, absolutely not, Paul Maurice. Uh. No, I don't think so. One yeah, second. Uh, can we just can we hit pause for a second? I'm just gonna switch earbuds because mine is running out of battery. Uh, yeah, I'll just edit this out. Yeah. Okay. Ty says. Ty says. Ty says. Switching earbuds. Ty says. Ty says. Ty says. Switching earbuds. Ty say. Switching earbuds. I say switching earbuds. I say, I say, I say switching earbuds. I say, I say, I say switching earbuds. How long is this gonna take? How long am I gonna have to keep singing? How long am I gonna have to keep singing? I say, I say, I say switching earbuds. I say switching earbuds. I say. Switching earbuds. Ty say 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 switching earbuds. Are you back yet? He's not back yet. Oh, one, two, three. I say, switching earbuds. He hasn't returned yet. All right, yep. we're back. Um, I say, switched his earbuds, and then the his computer started glitching, glitching. So we had to uh, refresh. But I listened back to what we had so far and remembered what I was going to say say before, which is that Mark Shifley 
uh, said as part of his argument uh, or his whoever was defending himself, I think it was probably him, uh, that he was aiming to stop the goal. And man, I don't buy that because a lot of people pointed out that if Mark Shifley really wanted to, which, you know, he probably should have, he could have reached out a stick, maybe not definitely stop the goal, but definitely had a better chance of, you know, having a stick kind of, you know, interrupt uh, Jake Evans is uh, the path of his stick where he was taking up the, the puck to the net. And instead he decided, I, I don't think he was necessarily thinking I'm going to take J- Jake Evans out of the, the series or anything. Uh, I don't think that was, he was hoping to do, but I think he was definitely thinking, I'm just going to be a total dipshit and, you know, stir up some trouble, trouble, get some, you know, emotions running high by hitting this guy to, when he's not suspecting it. So that, I don't know, we're all more, I don't know. My team is more engaged and moving forward into game two. I have no idea. Uh, and either way, it was clearly the uh, the wrong decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you could already tell that uh, Mark Shifley was in an ass hat mood. Um, what before, before? Just before the the hit. I mean, like if you looked at him in scrums, there was some. There was a lot of frustrating uh, frustration boiling up. And what you know, I, I remember like I think it was like six minutes left in the game. Um, those little scrum around the net and, uh, yeah, that guy looked fucking mad and I'm referring to Mark Shifley, of course. Uh, and he comes out on the ice, he seems about to lose the first game. Uh, and yeah, I think at that moment he just like, you know, what's, what's the term? Like the red mist kind of settled over this guy. And, uh, he's like, fuck it. Let's just hit the guy, uh, as hard as I can. Um, because yeah, absolutely right. He could have, there were much, there were plays there was a play that he could have made that would have had a much better chance of actually stopping the goal than completely running over jake evans i mean if you really wanted to try so hard you could have tried to you know dive for the puck get your stick in there and i don't know like try something there because uh by the time he hit jake evans that puck was already in the net um and i you could already tell you could already tell in the run-up that you know taking the body was not the way to prevent the goal it was the way to injure the other player uh and so you know Serious dipshit behavior from Mark Shifley. And, you know, you kind of saw it coming in the minutes leading up to it. It's clear that this team was extremely frustrated, um, completely shut down by the Habs top line, all game, not couldn't really get anything going, partially due to the fact that they just, as we talk, as I talked about uh, before the series, like this this top line, sure, it's got, it's got plenty of talent, but it's not a great top line. They don't gel particularly well. And I think it showed. And I think it's continued to show uh, now, even with the departure of Shifley. So, yeah, I think there's just a frustration boiling over. Uh, and, you know, that's when that bullshit happens. And, you know, Shifley's got to learn to, you know, not let those frustrations take over him because that's exactly what happened. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's clear as day, intent to injure. That's, that's my gripe with it. Um, there's never been anything more clear that I don't think I've seen. It's one of the top five most clearest intent to injure things I've ever seen. Um, because, yeah, he just gave up on the puck. He gave up on the goal. He just said, fuck it. Um, I just skate, I just, you know, uh, you know, gain speed for like three quarters of the ice right now. And I'm just going to deliver all to Jake Evans. Uh, that was the conscious decision that he made. Uh, I think he regretted it afterwards, but nonetheless, the decision was made. And, uh, yeah, I think they should have thrown the book. They should have thrown the book at him, send him for the series. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the mentality was all wrong there. It wasn't even just like an incidental thing. Um, it was, this guy skated a lot in the length of the ice and, with that with the mindset okay i'm gonna hit this guy yeah 
Um, kind of switching gears a bit, back to the the Hab side of things, where Thomas Tatar was a healthy scratch once again. Uh, which is still just as strange as it was the first time, but it just seems most people have stopped talking about it because we're used to it now. And I was thinking, wow, you know, I'm sure the Jets would love to have someone like Thomas Tatar, considering he's better than at least half of their forwards, probably more. Um, and then it got me to thinking about this this fun new idea. What if there was a rule in the NHL where if you wanted to, you were allowed to take one healthy scratch player from the other team and put him in your lineup? Uh, what, what what if? I think that would be a great idea. And it would be, you know, more dramatic, <laughs> more high stakes stuff. What? All right. It would be, it would be like, like Big Brother or some reality show, right? Where it's like, oh... Oh, we we are we gonna healthy scratch this player, uh, who's like our seventh best defenseman, but they would fit in so well on the the other team. I don't know what what should we do. I think it's genius. This is this is this might be your worst idea <laughs> I've ever heard. Why? Um, what's the problem with it? Um, what's the problem with it? Uh, first of all, conflict of interest. Um. You know this seventh forward or or seventh defenseman. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Forward uh, is still under contract for the first team, <laughs> and I'm sure his loyalties still lie with the team that he, you know, uh, is signed to, plays for normally, uh, and uh, whose name, like, w- like with whom he'll have his name engraved on the Stanley Cup or some shit. Like he still wants them to win. Um, so uh, that's that's a bad, a bad idea in that right. Yeah, and B, yeah, I don't know why we're punishing well-constructed rosters. Why are we rewarding the Buffalo Sabres every night with, I don't know, the 13th best player on the Avalanche, who I'm sure is better than all of them. We have the best so, parody <laughs> in the world. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. So all in all, that might be the most Gary Bettman idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and still somehow manages to encourage the parody that mm-hmm. uh, they so artificially want to create. Yeah, this is why this is why our partnership works. I come up with the bad ideas. You tell me why they're bad. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it'd be nice if you came up with an idea every now and then, uh, but I'm stuck coming up with all of them, even though they all suck. Anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of parody, let's move on to the draft lottery. Uh, and those results from the other night, uh, because this was by far the most boring draft lottery we've had in a very long time. Uh, and you know what? I've got to say, NHL, you should have seen this coming. To begin with, the fact that you're moving from the lottery having top three picks to just top two makes it much more boring. Because honestly, like just, you know, we're, we're finding out two things versus we're finding out three things. That's an increase in 50% of the things that you're finding out, which is such a massive difference that, you know, it's, oh, we're just taking away one. It feels like so much when, cause you know, you're watching Bill Daly lift up those cards, 12th pick, 11th pick, 10th pick, 9th pick belong to this team, this team, this team. And just like every other year, I think, all right, if it's not the team that should be there, then we'll know that that team moved up. But the difference this year, well, one of the differences this year was that, you know, all right, if a team moves up, well, then we're just waiting for one more. Whereas the previous years, it was like, oh, if a team moves up, then we're waiting for two more. And it's that's where the I, that's where I think the really big difference came in, in terms of watching value. But then, of course, that was what actually happened, which was nobody moved up until the very end. So all the picks, 16 through four were exactly how the standings should have been because only Seattle moved up one spot. You nailed that one, by the way, saying the Seattle Kraken have second overall pick vibes. They moved up from three to two. Anaheim moved down from two to three. And Buffalo stayed put at number one. This is uh, 
besides everything staying exactly put, the few, the smallest amount of movement you could possibly have at this draft lottery under this format. Uh, it was a total failure of an event, I've got to say. It was such a massive dud. And, I mean, technically this could have happened when you had, like, the three lotteries that there was very little movement. But I, I can tell you that it was definitely less likely. And this, for a league that's supposed to be entertaining and should want to mark the draft lottery as a marquee entertainment event, uh, this new change, that we only have two lotteries instead of three, uh, is a massive failure. Yeah, absolutely. And so what they did here is that they completely sacrificed. They sacrificed it to the hockey gods or whatever. They put it in the fire. All the entertainment value that, like, you know, basically all the entertainment value, as much as they could, um, has been now eliminated from the draft lottery uh, at the behest of, uh, what is it, competitive balance or some bullshit idea of fairness. Um, and a bunch of general managers who kind of got mad because they, oh, the dice didn't roll in their favor this time around. Um, that's sure what it's that's sure what it is, you know, like, man, that shit was boring. Uh, and we can absolutely anticipate more of this moving forward. Not only that, I mean, like, moving forward, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, this year, they didn't start that. Uh, what you, you can only move up a maximum of was it 10 spots? Yeah, or 12 spots? 10, I think. Or what was it? T- 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 oh, my God, that's even worse. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be completely awful in terms of entertainment value. Uh, and you know, I personally think it's fun. Um, when, you know, the team with the worst odds, I don't think it's happened, but if it were to ever happen, I think it would be absolutely hilarious. Um, but instead this time around, uh, like starting next year, if say the New York Rangers would have won the lottery with their 1% odds that we would have known immediately if their card wasn't shown that, Oh, they got the fifth pick. How boring is that? The most exciting thing that could possibly happen, which is, uh, a team, a good team who barely missed the playoffs. Uh, winning the lottery and it makes us all laugh and it's all very funny. Um, instead, they can't even win the top, you know, one of the top three picks. And not only that, there's no hype about where that pick is actually going to be. Um, and so, you know, it's all very boring. And yeah, just statistically, by removing that third pick in the lottery, you just have outcomes. You have much more likely that you're going to get outcomes where uh, you get very little movement. And so, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. And so, you know, like what? Basically, five teams are eliminated out of the running off the bat from winning the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. That's so bad. That's so fucking bad. Uh, and uh, yeah, they just sucked the entertainment out of all this. Not only that, they just didn't market it at all this year. It's probably because of the lack of, you know, top end bona fide number one pick. But even then, man, like if you asked, I'm sure, I am absolutely certain that if you asked 80% of hockey fans today, who won the draft lottery? They would ask you, Oh, it happened already? I have no fucking clue. Um, yep. Because, uh, yeah, like, it, it was just a minor detail. And the draft lottery is so fun to watch. It shouldn't be that. It's just like, you know, um, and it sucks. And they changed it for no apparent reason yeah, the, other than just some grumpy GMs. The other change that's going to happen is that teams won't be able to win more than a certain amount of times in a five-year stretch. Is it more than more than once or more than twice in, like, a span of five years? More than twice. Yeah, okay. Okay, so I think... That would mean next year, like the Rangers wouldn't be allowed to win a draft lottery since they won one in 2019 and 2020. So they wouldn't be eligible to win another one till I guess like 2024 or something like that. Um, they did used to have a system that was kind of similar to like you can win a lottery and not move up that far. Because I know in 2011, the New Jersey Devils finished eighth last in the NHL and they won the lottery and moved up to fourth, the fourth pick. 
where they got Adam Larson, uh, which is extremely anticlimactic. That you only not only does the winners of the lottery only move up four spots from eighth to fourth, where they can have the honor of selecting Adam Larson, but also the fact that that was literally the only lottery. Uh, like everything else was just yeah, everything's staying the same. And so we're having this event just to decide the Devils get to pick four spots earlier. Uh, so I mean they improved from that sense, but what what I think really irks me about this is that the draft lottery for the previous five years was the one thing the NHL had perfect. Literally the one thing that I was like, it's great. I really like it. Don't touch it. You don't need to change anything about it. And that's the one thing, of course, that the GMs were not so satisfied with. So they had to change around to make it worse and more boring. Like they did with everything they touch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Um, that's the saying, well, they fucking fixed it. And yeah, fix is being very generous. They did the opposite <laughs> of fixing it. Uh, they, they completely ruined it. And so, yeah, sh- shame on the NHL. Shame on the NHL because, uh, yeah, they turned into uh, what was an exciting three pick lottery into a extremely boring two pick one. It seems like every single change they made just makes it that much more boring. I don't understand. Like, you know, when, when a team picks three times in the lottery in five years, like, everybody laughs. You know, it's hilarious. Like, oh, my God, this team won again. The Oilers won again. Oh, my God, what a terrible franchise. But also so damn lucky. It's so funny. Um, but now, instead, we, we have this boring alternative. Uh, and then the 10-pick the 10-pick uh, boost limit. That's not fun at all. I want to see the 12th worst team get the first overall pick. I think that's hilarious. Um, and obviously, just like, you know, by taking away that third lottery, uh, lotteries are fun. And so we should not be eliminating lotteries, but also uh, less odds that, you know, the 12th worst team gets to win a lottery. So yeah, I just all around very upsetting times um, when they make boneheaded decisions like this. I really don't understand. Um, and yeah, it just, it sucks. Like really, really the whole goal of this thing is to get fans is to be entertaining and you're doing exactly the opposite of that. And so, yeah, that's what it is for the NHL. Yeah. Like in 2017, the Flyers had the 13th best odds. They won pick number two. The next year, I think Carolina had the 11th best odds. They won pick number two. That was super fun when you, cause you get a mix, especially in 2018, you got a mix of like Buffalo was the worst. They held on to number one. Carolina had a big leap from like 11 to two and Montreal who was around that zone jumped up a bit from number four to number three. And that's the kind of thing that you can probably expect to happen more or less uh, from year to year with the, the draft lottery. And now it's just like, Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, the worst team and the third worst team. Or maybe here's here's what I think might happen next year. Or maybe not next year. They, they'll give it a couple years. Maybe in like two or three years. Um, two teams that just barely missed the playoffs are both going to win the lotteries. Like the 11th and 14th worst teams. And they'll jump up to whatever it is, one in five. And then everyone's going to, or not everyone, but many people will panic and say, oh, the system must be changed. And I honestly don't imagine that this new lottery system lasts for more than five years because does any lottery system last for more than five years? The answer is no. Also, wait, wait, wait. Taylor Hall. Okay. The Taylor Hall curse or blessing or whatever you want to call it. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you if you have any thoughts about uh, what I was saying about picks jumping up around, then uh, you can go ahead. Otherwise, any thoughts on the Taylor Hall stuff? Uh, okay. All right. I, I, I completely forgot. Okay, so no, I don't have anything on the picks dumping stuff. Um, oh, yeah, the Taylor Hall thing. I completely, I I didn't see that on the Twitter timeline. I completely really? forgot about it. Um, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I wasn't on Twitter that night. So, uh, but, <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Like, not on their team anymore. Man's, man's skating the playoffs, but man, his former team, 
uh, wins the damn lottery. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. The, the... How many is that for him now? Okay, so the qualifier down goes Brown was using. If we count it, yeah. Okay. The the qualifier he was using was uh Taylor Hall's uh most recent team that is lottery eligible. Uh, is now I guess the new okay. qualifier for the Taylor Hall touch of magic, the golden lottery touch. Okay, first he was drafted with a pick that won the lottery, a lottery winning draft pick. Uh, then his team, the Oilers, uh, they didn't win the lottery the next year, but they had the first pick. They maintained it. Then they won the lottery to get the first pick. Um, in 2015, they won the lottery to get the McDavid pick. Uh, then he was traded for a player that was drafted with a lottery winning pick, Adam Larson, that I just talked about a little bit earlier. Then with the Devils, they won the 2017 lottery, jumped up to get the first pick. 2019, uh, it happened again. They jumped up to get the first pick. Uh, and this year now, Buffalo, uh, who was his most recent lottery eligible team, they maintained the first overall pick, won the draft lottery, drafted number one overall. Fucking incredible. What the hell? Have we seen anything st- as stupid as this? No. Um, I know he's not on the team anymore, but great. Um, so he's a UFA now. So if I'm any GM in the NHL, not only is he an undervalued asset, uh, illustrated by the fact that uh, uh, second round pick at the trade deadline. Um, but also, uh, he wins you draft lotteries. Inevitably. Inevitably. And so, if I'm the Habs, I just send this guy a $14 million check a year. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> For one year. No, I'm joking, obviously. But yeah, give me that lottery money. Um, give me that lottery... Yeah, blessing? Is that what we call it? The lottery... The ble- the, yeah, I guess blessing blessing. Works. <laughs> the... All right, I feel like uh, we can come up with something more clever than that. People call it like the, the magic touch or whatever. Uh, what kind of sounds like hall and kind of means blessing? Um, I, I don't know. Lottery b- hall. I'm googling. Ooh, I'm I'm glad it, I'm googling uh, blessing synonyms. Oh, on thesaurus.com, my favorite website. It comes very uh, no, much I'm handy just... when writing any essay. All right, let's see. So, 89 synonyms and antonyms for uh, the Hall Benediction. Sure. I thought hall... we were coming up with like a pun of Taylor Hall. <laughs> oh, uh, none of these are very good for. Uh, none of these are very pun friendly. Um, All right, yeah, I feel like this lottery this ball it. ball rhymes with Hall. I feel like there's something there. Lottery Bahal. Um, it's the lottery ball hall hall. The lottery ball <laughs> hall, like H A U L hall. Yes. Um, the lottery the mall. hall ball hall. <laughs> the lottery mall because he just there's so many things that a mall. I don't know. Uh, and this is another one of my bad ideas. Um, <laughs> lottery. Uh, I don't know. I'm on a rhyme zone now looking at Yeah, home. yeah, I'm on rhyme zone too. Uh, oh, it's the greatest see. website, rhymezone.com. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, how many lotteries does he win? Taylor, all of them. There we go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the Taylor <laughs> anti failure. Um, <laughs> the- yeah, that was, that was fucking bad too. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything here. I think we're cooked. I think we're cooked. Uh, anyway. Um, so Buffalo word on the street is they're going to go with Owen power. Um, he's not the shoe win number one, but he's apparently like the most people are predicting that from the little bit. I know I prefer Matthew Beneers 
He just feels like if just Owen Power feels a lot of people have been making the Eric Johnson comparison. Uh, to be fair, more people who aren't as high on him are making the Eric Johnson comparison and that he went first overall in 2006. And then he kind of like he's he's pretty good. He's maybe like a number two or three defenseman, but you expect more than that from your first overall pick. Uh, and some people are projecting Owen Power might end up topping out in kind of the same way. Whereas with Matthew Beniers, I think there's a higher potential there for um for maybe a top line center, not necess- not a slam dunk, you know, superstar guy. Otherwise, he'd be going first for sure. Uh, but a lot of people are mocking Matthew Beniers to Seattle, and they're saying that's a great fit, you know, a great all around center who has room to grow. Yeah, I don't know why the hell you wouldn't draft him in uh, Buffalo. I mean, you know, top of the first round, I think always go for the home run. Um, well, you know what? Any part of the draft. Why the hell not go for the home run? Um, and, you know, if you win the lottery, for crying out loud, Buffalo, if you win the lottery and you use the pick on a second, like a second pair defenseman, what the hell are you doing? Um, you know, if you're Buffalo, maybe that's the only way you can get a sort of quality defenseman. But, um, you know, I don't think that's the well, way to go. I think Eric Johnson's yeah. probably like the floor of Owen Power would be my my okay. estimation. Uh, I think p- people are saying, he, and he probably wouldn't make the initial right away either. Eric Johnson didn't either, or at least Buffalo shouldn't rush him. They have a tendency to rush their prospect, and that's worked out extremely poorly every single time. Uh, and uh, I hope they don't do it again for Owen Power's sake. But people are already saying, like, oh, yeah, Rasmus Dahlin and, and Owen Power manning the, the Sabres blue line for 15 years, which, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe Rasmus Dahlin ends up turning a corner. Obviously, that's kind of gone south a little bit over the last three years, and to be honest, Dahlin and Power as your two go-to guys there doesn't inspire much confidence as and people are trying to equate it to like Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram or something. Yeah, no, like you look at this and uh this this lottery win and you cannot convince me that this is any sort of franchise altering uh day for the Buffalo Sabres. I mean he's just gonna be another guy. I mean like look what Rasmus Dalin has turned into. Um, they spent a first overall pick on a defenseman and now he's just kind of just a guy like he's got that pedigree obviously, but he also sucks shit this year. Um, so yeah, like I'm not going to pretend and I don't think anyone's really thinking that, uh, oh, they won the lottery. This is just, this is, uh, this is the start of the turnaround for Buffalo because yeah, so it sure looks like that organization is still very mismanaged. Uh, the fact that this is a weak draft class, especially at the top. Um, sure doesn't help things. Uh, at, I mean, I, I mean, at the very top where they where they'll pick. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is kind of like a worst case scenario. If like you know, like in terms of winning the lottery, um, if you're going to do it any year, this seems like a very bad year to do it because uh, not only is the player you pick like not going to be a bona fide shoe in number one overall pick, and so you're going to be like the the potential for uh, criticism down the road is very high, but also. Uh, you already drafted a first overall defenseman like three years ago, and you completely botched him and his developed him development. And so, yeah, I'm not I'm not confident whoever and, they pick. I mean, even if even if they pick the center, like Reinhardt, it's just another Reinhardt or another Eichel. I mean, not not the level of talent of Eichel, but you know, similar situation in it. Center in Buffalo, I have no trust in this organization whatsoever, even with the first overall pick. Yeah, and. What I just thought of is that since they won the lottery 2018, 
and also 2021, they won't be eligible to win it again next year with that new rule comes in. So even if they bought him out again, uh, they're not going to be getting Shane Wright. Well, actually, unless if they finish last and then only teams that, uh, you know, really almost made the playoffs from the lottery. So they only jump up to like, like, I don't know, third or fourth or whatever, then Buffalo could get Shane Wright. But it's a long shot because they wouldn't be eligible to win a lottery at all next year. Right. Exactly. So, you know what? This lottery. Worst case scenario. I'm going to say it. Worst case scenario for Buffalo in terms of winning a lottery. Um, this is as bad as it gets. You take yourself out of future lottery. Take yourself out of future lotteries. You get a player who, not a bona fide number one pick, and you already suck shit at developing players, even number one overall picks. Even like Rasmus Dalin, we knew he was going to be the number one pick all along, and so somehow he's bad now, especially in the defensive zone. So, uh, yeah. Yikes. Yikes on the Buffalo. But uh, you know what? The Seattle pick, I was going to pat myself on the back again. Uh, completely nailed it. They absolutely do give number two overall pick vibes. Uh, and yeah, that's exciting. Very exciting. You know, you'll have to see it. I am excited for Seattle. I want them to succeed. Me too. Uh, I like them much better than the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, just right off the bat, they give much better vibes. Uh, and seeing them start off with uh, potentially a Matthew Beneers. Um, where you'll have like maybe a second line center or even a top line center in a few years to kick things off. I think it's very exciting. Uh, and uh, I'm already a big fan. Seattle Kraken, uh, count me on the bandwagon already. Wonderful. Um, actually, speaking of the of Seattle, I was looking at the expansion draft stuff yesterday and I was like, oh, does Montreal consider like exposing Jonathan Drouin and protecting Paul Byron? I don't know. That, I guess we can save those talks for a little bit later in the summer when we get closer, but I guess that is kind of sneaking up in like a, a month and a half. Anyway, before we get to uh, our draft activity of today's episode, uh, let's shout out Matthias Norlander, superstar Habs prospect. Superstar is a bit of a stretch maybe, but third round pick. 2019, I think 64th overall that they got with, uh, they traded down the second round pick they got in the Max Patch Ready trade to a third and a fifth. Um, the other player they got with a fifth, Jacob Laguerre, they actually, um, ju- his rights just expired on June 1st. Uh, so goodbye to him. But anyway, Matthias Norlander, entry level contract signed. So I assume he'll be at training camp in the fall. And I think he's got a great shot of making the team. He provides an element that this team does not have at all on defense. He's a great offensive defenseman. Uh, he's got great puck skills, great vision. All he's all those offensive skills that you know we that none of the defensemen have except uh, save Jeff Petrie and maybe to some extent Romanov and to some extent Victor Mate who's gone. Norlander has it, uh, and I'm I'm really excited about him. If he doesn't make the team then uh, he would go back to his team in Sweden, not to the Laval Rocket. Uh, and if he doesn't make that's fine. You know, he's 20 or 21, so develop a little longer, that would be fine as well. But uh, there's a prospect that, uh, that I'm excited about. Yeah, very excited about it. I mean, uh, yeah, you said it. Look, defense sucks shit, and anyone who provides any sort of potential offensive spark coming from those six um, gets me, uh, I'm like, I'm cheering for them hard because this defense needs it uh, for the future. They don't have nearly enough of them. Um, and that's why you got pairings like Weber and Sherratt. And if someone can come in and replace that pairing, I am just rooting for them all the way. And uh, yeah, Norlander, very promising prospect. Very nice pick there in the third round. And uh, yeah, hopefully he can pan out so we don't have to look at this whole cowardice, slow skating nonsense that we've been seeing all playoffs and all season. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Should we should we do a quick uh, flyby of the other three series that are going on right now? Oh, yeah, sure. I guess. All right. The Avalanche are up two to one against the Golden Knights. 
Uh, and they were pretty bad yesterday, I gotta say, at least by their standards. And Jared Bender kind of went off after the game. He said, said things like, oh, you look at their tough guys against our tough guys. It wasn't close. I did, I did even say something like uh, the way they played, it was like a waste of time or something like that. So Jared Bender was not pleased with the way his team performed. And, you know, that team, uh, I guess I, I, I can't blame him because their standard should be incredibly high, the standard they set for themselves, that, that, because they are the Stanley Cup favorites still. And so if they put in a bad performance, Jared Bender, I think, has every right to, to be upset. Yeah, and they played very poorly. And yet they were still like, what, it was like two goals in 45 seconds in, for Vegas in the third period that got them to win? Like, they were winning yeah. uh, heading into that third period. They're ready to win. And so that's just how dangerous this team is. I mean, Colorado. Uh, yeah, they're really clicking. And I fully expect the series to uh, six games. Six games at this point. I think Vegas takes one more. Um, but uh, yeah, like even when even when they're not clicking, they're still a very, very dangerous team, Colorado, and can win on any given night. Uh, even if you are out, even if you are out chancing them a five on five, which Vegas always does and still manages to uh, fight, not find the net. But uh, anyways, uh, moving to the east, we have Boston and uh, the Islanders here. And so it's two to one for Boston. They won game three, what, two to one? Off that Marshine goal on a very sharp angle. It was a very nice shot. But man, you know what this this reminded me of? That one overtime play where the goalie kind of screws up because I think Lamont absolutely should have had that puck. It kind of gives me the same vibes as like the Washington series just now. Um, you know, Boston-Washington. I mean, that was a much more egregious error by Samsonov. But uh, I don't know. It just feels like the kind of game that since Boston is the much better team, like New York has to find a way to win them. Uh, and, you know, a gaffe by the goalie here and there. And it sure seems like that like turns the tide irreversibly for Boston. And so, yeah, like you know, like Boston and fives sure seems like the vibe because if you're the Islanders, you had to have won the game. And you know, Varlamov played great throughout Game Three, but uh, yeah, they, it really cost them, and they need to win those games—the ones that they managed to keep low scoring, uh, take it to overtime. You can't botch it like this, and they did. Varlamov did, and I expect Buffalo to kind of take off because that's what they do. Buffalo, you mean Boston? I don't think either one of yeah, us. Buffalo, Buffalo will to never take, take off. off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Boston. Yeah, like we were saying in round one, when Samsonov made that mistake and the Bruins scored in overtime, we were like, "That feels a lot like the turning point." This does feel uh, very much the same way because, as you're kind of saying, like the Islanders are still the underdog here, and their hope of winning as the underdog, which has worked very often for them, is you know you keep games tight. Uh, you get to overtime. That's probably nice. Um, and you're opportunistic. And we talked about the Islanders, you know, the great defensive system they play with the great defensive defensemen that they do have, especially Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock, their top pairing that Barry Trotz, you know, employs properly. And they make a lot of goalies look really good. They made Robin Leonard look great when he was there, kind of helped to, to revitalize his career. Uh, and they've done the same thing with Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin when he's played. They've both been fantastic or at least have had fantastic numbers and i think that is largely a product of the defensive system that you know uh forces a lot of low the opponents take a lot of low danger shots that are relatively easy to stop and when you play that type of system if your goalie blows it for you everything kind of falls apart and sorry for our but you kind of blew it on on that overtime goal and the islanders can't afford to have those mistakes happen otherwise they're going to lose and they did lose and they're probably going to lose the series now uh in the last series to touch on uh the tampa bay lightning two to one series lead over the carolina hurricanes um i'm am i remembering correctly yeah every game has been a one goal game i think so far carolina just won in overtime three two a couple days ago and their game four is actually about to start like right around now as uh we're recording at 4 p.m 
and Tampa won each of the first two games. I think uh, one of them was two to one. They were both two to one, actually. Uh, so this has been extremely close. It's probably going to continue to be extremely close. Uh, but if I am going to update my prediction, it won't change. I think the, the Lightning are probably still going to win. Because, I mean, it come, Brayden Point and uh, Nikita Kucherov, and I guess Stamkos as well, uh, they're really finding ways to produce. And I mean, Victor Hedman has uh, stepped up as well. So those injury concerns that a, a lot of us had uh, appear to be not a concern anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, Carolina, by the way, they've had like, what, seven in a row now? Uh, one goal games. So apparently that's, what they, that's just what they do um, because they had a bunch of overtimes against Nashville. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, it, it, and it's looking worse and worse by the day for Carolina, I think. Like, you know, they pulled a very nice gutsy overtime win against Tampa for game three. But those injuries are piling up, especially in the forwards um, where, you know, I saw Trocek was out for who knows how long. Niederreiter is doubtful for the entire series. I, I think I saw Warren Fogle is also uh, injured. Don't know when he's coming back. And so now we're talking about like, you know, Carolina, very well-built forward core. But, you know, when you lose like three guys, um, that's where it starts to hurt in your depth, uh, especially with a guy like Trocek, who's, uh, who's excellent this season. Um, and so, you know, they, 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 they switched goalies for the first time this playoffs, eh? Uh, Razzie yeah, played last Razzie. night, played very well. Spicy, spicy. Oh, did we talk about the Vezina nominees? Quick shout out. Uh, right. I mean, the yep. nominees are out now. Um, shout out to, uh, Nadalkovich, who I pad penned as a Calder finalist. Good for him. Um, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, he's on the yeah, bench yeah. now. And, uh. Yeah, I don't know what else to add you here. Said, uh, but uh, you said Vesna before. I was okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm flipping. I'm flipping back and forth here. Route. Okay. Yeah, Vasilevsky, Flurry, and Grubauer, not Hellebuck, are the finalists for the Vesna. And uh, for the Calder, it's Nadaljkovic, Jason Robertson, Kirill Kaprizov. Kaprizov's probably going to win that one. Um, you know the the Vesna. I'm not so sure about Vasilevsky or Flurry. I think either has a case and I'm probably rooting for Flurry because he doesn't have one and he's 36. That's kind of cool. You know, when you're first one at, at 36. Uh, so yeah, the awards and nominees are like Ted Lindsay just came out recently. Uh, McDavid, Matthews, Crosby, the finalist uh, they're going to start trickling out more and more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Flurry, Flurry wouldn't be winning his first Vezina now would be uh, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, back to the series. I expect the Lightning to win in six. Very sad for my bracket. I, I need the Hurricanes to win. But uh, at this point, with all those injuries piling up and the way Tampa's been playing, I just don't have the faith. Um, okay. All right. So we are going to move to our little draft, drafting random shit segment, um, which I don't think has has made an appearance in, what, five, six weeks? Um, uh, maybe not that and... long. Um, what was our last one? Was our last one... Um... It wasn't track and field. We had another one since oh, months. Months was our most recent one. We drafted the months. Right. And it's a four-week cycle. And then we didn't do one last week. So I think it's been five weeks. Anyways. Um, all right. So yeah, this week, you want to introduce it? Because uh, you came up with it on the fly just today. Yeah, I came up with it half an hour before we started recording. Um, basically, we're going to be drafting hours. Hours of the day. Uh, so for example, uh, midnight to 1 a.m., uh, one of us could draft that 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. or 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. or, you know, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. We're going to each be drafting six hours. So at the end, uh, 12 will be taken and 12 will be left over because there are 24 hours in a day. Uh, I don't have a strategy. I You said you didn't. But actually, to be fair, I'm kind of I'm getting a, a fun little idea right now that I might uh, 
I might follow through on. And I guess I don't have much time to change my mind anyway. Uh, so you know what? I am going to allow you to take the, the first pick in this draft. So very generous of you. Um, okay. All right. With the first overall pick, I thought about this for a total of 60 seconds. Um, and I <laughs> truly believe the best hour, the best time slot of your day of your life is 7 to 8 p.m. Just just an elite fucking hour. I mean, we're talking about the beginning of hockey. Um, you know, hockey games start at 7 o'clock typically on the East Coast. That's a good time. Uh, 7 o'clock, you're usually done whatever school or work you have to do. Um, so that's good. And then also, uh, you just ate dinner. So you're like fully sat- satiated. Dinner is usually like the best meal. So uh, you're feeling ready to go. Uh, and it's just a nice relaxing time you kind of do whatever you want unless you got some homework going but even then who really does their homework at 7 p.m uh 7 p.m is just a good time to be uh and uh, i don't think it's particularly close i ran through all 24 of them and seven to eight elite number one pick not even close had me the prize already could vote for me yeah all right okay seven to eight p.m that's fine i don't mind it uh i'm gonna go with uh eight to nine p.m however I got to say, I think that one is slightly better. Seven to eight. uh, It's just a little bit too early, you know, to really get into like the nighttime groove, especially this time of year. It's still night out. You're like, oh, it's still kind of late evening. I can't really, you know, it doesn't really feel like, oh, it's nighttime. Not to mention one of the first things you mentioned was that hockey is starting. Well, the game is still going on eight to nine. uh, And, you know, it's the second period or maybe even the start of the third. Everyone knows that the third period is typically the most exciting one. Uh, and yeah, pretty much every positive thing you said about seven to eight p.m. applies to eight to nine p.m. as well. So there. Yeah, I don't know. Seven just has better vibes, and also that you know who gives a shit about the second period. Uh, we're here for the start of the game, and we're here for the end of the game, which is why wow, we're really just like peppering the zone here uh, with these night hours. I'm going nine to ten p.m. Uh, easy pick, easy pick. You get the end of the hockey game, potentially some overtime going. Uh, you're still, you know, it's still early enough in the evening typically that. You know, you've got a you've got a fair amount of energy. You're not really ready to go to sleep yet, and so you know, you're just uh, maybe you're doing some homework, maybe you're browsing YouTube like I do, and uh, yeah, it's just it's nice. It's really now we're just like full blown night, like seven seven to nine, like you know, we're talking like pretty early night vibes. You know, like seven to eight. Sometimes you got the sunset going. Now we're in full blown darkness, but also nine to ten. It's not late enough so that you're tired, but it's uh, late enough that you're it's it's evening hours, and you get that third period. You get to watch all the hockey games at the very end as they wind down. Get a bit of overtime. And, uh, yeah, just an elite time. 9, 10, 7, 8. I think, I, like, who cares about the second period? That's what I say. So, 8 to 9, I think it's a terrible pick. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are. I think I'm getting completely dominated at this point. And the 9 to 10 is also time for, like, you know, a quick midnight snack. We have a good midnight snack. It's not quite midnight. But, like, you know, it's been three hours since you've had your meal. If you eat at 6. Uh, or four hours if it's 10 o'clock. And who doesn't love a good midnight snack? Midnight snacks are the best. So there we go. Yeah, you know, I gotta be honest. Um, this feels kind of like a game of chess where you continue to walk right into my traps. Um, oh, I don't oh, know traps. what time. Oh, okay. I don't know what time you've been. I haven't even set up any traps deliberately, but it feels like you're walking into them anyway. I don't know what time uh, what you've been going to bed. About? Uh, I don't know what time our listener has been going to bed. Uh, I can't remember the last time that I was in bed before eleven. I'm gonna take ten to eleven p.m. Um, this time of night is wonderful because I mean, once again, everything you said about nine to 10 PM applies to 10 to 11 PM. 
I, except for nonsense. some bonuses nonsense. that make it even better. All right. For one thing, you were talking about how great the first period is. Well, the late game tends to start at 10. So there Who we go. Your seven to eight games? first period thing. Who cares? See, Who let cares? me continue. Let me continue. Some nights like I watch Vancouver, Calgary game, again. And it's nice that it's on. No, how about Colorado Vegas? Everyone's favorite. Or if there's no good late game on, then this is the time, you know, say there was a hockey game on just finished watching. The game is done. Maybe now I can, I can settle in uh, with, I don't know, so like I don't know, I'll have like a some fruit or a cookie, and I'll like watch a movie or something. You know, it, you can really just you chill out. Ten to eleven. Uh, oftentimes, your you know other people in the house are asleep. Uh, it's really you know at least this is my personal thing. experience. You can't be loud anymore. Nope. You can't be loud anymore. What are you talking about? You can't do. What shit. do I want to be loud Everybody's for? Sleeping. What am I gonna What am I gonna yell about? I what am I gonna know. play the trumpet at ten thirty at night? Not me. <laughs> I'm just gonna. But you know, yeah, you can play it at 9:30. That's what I'm saying. You you can do whatever the hell you want at 9:30. Nobody's sleeping. Well, you know what? I actually I don't play the trumpet. Everyone else is asleep, and I'm just you now lying there, okay. just kind of watching right. a movie or watching a late game okay. or listening to a podcast on the couch, and it's dark, and it's like ah, this is the most peaceful time of day. Man, you just keep taking the worst of two, and I'm sure the listeners will agree. Um, I'm not taking uh, the worst of two. I'm taking the one that's exactly the same as the one you just took, except a little bit better. No, 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 no. You just, you know, no. You what you what you're going for is you're basically copying me, but you're taking the slightly worse version. Um, and that's on you. That's on you. You're you're completely blowing it. I'm taking the slightly Um, better version. Maybe it's just because maybe it's just be what maybe it's just because maybe you go to bed a little bit earlier than I do, and therefore what you think of as seven to eight is my version of eight to nine. And therefore, our teams are actually identical up to this point. Okay. All right. That's ridiculous. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, yeah, we love the night hours here, apparently, because uh, they're much better than the day hours. You just do whatever the hell you want. Um, so uh, that's why I'm going. I'm not going to continue power. I'm not going 11 to 12. I am going 12 to 1. Uh, so midnight to 1 a.m. Um, so I don't know how many of y'all out there are awake at this hour. But usually, it's a pretty good, it's a damn good hour. Um, first of all, it's the start of a new day. Uh, typically, you don't think of it like that. Like, oh, it's midnight. But like, you know, when you think about it, you realize, ah, new day. Flip the calendar. It's a good time. Um, and midnight is also the time that the new year starts. Every new year starts at midnight. Think about that. Um, and so, think about you it. know, it's, it's it, yeah, think about it. Think about the quality that I'm offering here. Uh, and, you know, 12 to 1, like for me, typically, like I'm not... I'm not going to sleep then, um, but if you are, you know, it's, you're getting yourself tucked in. It's nice. Um, and I just, it's a relaxing time. It's very relaxing. It's very chill. It's got better vibes than 11 to 12. You know, 11 to 12 kind of feels like rushed, you know, like, oh, damn, the day's about to end. 12 to 1 is like, oh, got a new day. Get some bonus hours in here in the early morning. It's a good time. Uh, so uh, not only that, it's also the first hour of the morning, which I think I've mentioned, but I think I should just repeat it again. Uh, I just think it's got a lot of added value. And uh, yeah, that's where we're at. All right. This next pick might appear a little bit off the board, but uh, but it's all right. I'm going to go with it anyway. It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. Well, I'm sure you know that you know there's a lot of, of pain and suffering in this world, right? It can be a, it can yeah. be a harsh place. Uh, and all right. that harshness, you know, that frustration and sadness that so many of us feel often, okay. that all happens when we're awake. When we're asleep, we feel nothing. It's like we're in a coma. And I am never more asleep 
I am never more asleep than from 4 to 5 a.m. in the morning. A.m. in the morning. Uh, I can't believe I just said a.m. in the morning. That's so painful. Anyway, 4 to 5 a.m. I'm asleep. I'm probably having a nice dream. I'm at peace. Nothing can hurt me. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Man. Ooh, existence is pain, apparently, according to Alex. Um, that's, that's the vibes that pick is giving out. Um, cause, uh, yeah, really nothing's going on at four to five. There's really nothing. Who doesn't there's, like sleeping? There's... <laughs> it's so pleasant. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. But nobody in their right mind has been, has ever said, man, my four o'clock sleep was fucking a plus. Um, <laughs> well, guess what? It's exactly as good as all the other sleep, which is great. No, it's, it's, it's entirely mediocre of an hour because, you know, Yo, sometimes yeah it's just it's in, nobody thinks about four to five which yeah it's terrible that's why you're not um, thinking so, about it because you're so deep in sleep that it could never even possibly cross your mind to think about what time it is i think you're i think you're slightly overrating the concept of sleep um what are you talking it is about nice. everyone loves to sleep yeah, everyone wants to, loves to sleep but man who 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 loves to sleep from four to five a.m like you know, it's just it's it's perfectly do you mediocre. Sleep, no, do you not just sleep like at four draft. to five a.m.? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I don't think of my all oh, four to five sleep was so good. I think, man, I want to sleep so early. I feel great. Or I woke up so late. I feel great. Not I and was sleeping what? at four well, to five. I feel great every single time. You're waking up late. You're going to bed early. Whatever it is, will include a great solid hour of sleep at four to five in the morning. Without fail. It's outrageous. That is outrageous. Anyways, uh, just just a hands down, completely nothing pick. This is like it's a brilliant. Like you pick. drafting it's a complete, literally a stroke a of genius. Scrub. Okay, all right. Uh, no, this is um, the Nikita right. Kucherov of our drafts. <laughs> no, it's it's clearly the Louis LeBlanc. He's really just nothing. Four to five is just it's nothing. He brings you no value. Um, okay, fourth fourth pick, fourth round pick. Um, what are we thinking here? You know, I'm, I'm going to move off the evening hours. I don't want to go too much in the morning, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I know which time I'm going. I'm going the other 12 to one. I'm going 12 PM to 1 PM because it's fucking lunchtime. That's the worst thing you've ever had. What? What are you talking about? That's the worst thing in any of these drafts you've ever had. This this is the most nonsense I've ever heard. Um, twelve to one. If you're at school, in high school, elementary school, even sometimes higher education, if you so plan your days, um, and usually for everybody in the workforce, twelve o'clock or twelve thirty, depending on where you are, signifies the beginning of lunch. You've worked all morning. Signifies. Perhaps you were miserable while doing it, um, but uh. Now it's time for rest uh, and it's the best time. You know, you're just, you get to rest. You don't have to think about your work anymore. You're chowing down on a wonderful lunch that you got. And it's just, it's the, that one spot over the course of the day that is uh, over the course of the work day. It's my, it's by, by far my favorite. I mean, you ask any kindergartner, Hey buddy, or grade one kid. Hey buddy, what's your favorite part of the day? What's your favorite time of the day? No, what's your favorite school period? Everybody's saying lunch. Um, so Yeah. That's where we're at. I don't think it's close. I think this is great value. I'm getting both 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock brings a nice vibe, you know? Like, both hands at the top of the no. clock. We're ready to go. The timer starts. Uh, and just completely elite. 
just so elite that uh, elite I can't. All. I would have got. I would have gone with this over mediocre ass sleep, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Um, and this just this just puts me over the top. You know, I could draft, I could fucking draft 7 a.m. right now if I wanted to in the fifth round, and I'd still win. Um, but uh, yeah, you're just you're, this you're literally you're losing because guess what? Just like every single other round of this draft so far, my pick, which has come right after yours, has consistently been stronger, and that's about to continue. Not only that, I think this is going to be uh the the most outlandish discrepancy between your tiny value pick and my massive value pick because let's let's look at your main argument for what made your pick so great uh well one of the one of the main ones at least was that kids this is their favorite time of the day and this is your favorite time of the work day not true at all all right everyone's going to tell you my favorite part of the work day is when it's done when i get to go home and you know what time we're usually at home is six to seven p.m all right you were talking before about you know Oh, you just had dinner. My first overall pick, 7, 8 p.m. Oh, it's so great because I just had dinner. Well, how about actually having dinner? All right. You took lunchtime. Lunchtime, you know, you're eating like a bland ham sandwich like at school or something. Or maybe you're like in a break room at work. All right. A terrible eating environment. A lot of times, you know, maybe they'll even stagger the lunch break. So you're barely sitting with anyone. Or would you rather eat a nice dinner? A home cooked meal, maybe even, uh, with your family at a at a nice table uh, at six or six thirty p.m. So I think this is probably the biggest steal of this draft so far, coming directly after the worst pick, uh, which was your noon to one in the afternoon. Okay, yeah, six to seven is not a bad pick. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too hard on. It. I think you know you're getting it was gonna be my fifth round pick if you had left it there. Um, but uh, frankly, you know, like. It's you've already taken that time of rest, you know, like like we're talking about five to six p.m. You know, that's when you're off work. That's when you're off school. And six to seven, you know, dinner sometimes it's just it just takes up too much time. You know, I have, I have things I want to do, but I got to eat dinner. Um, and I have things I want to do, but I, I got to eat lunch. Yeah, but like, you know, at least I'm not working. Um, and it's like it's a it's an oasis. It's an oasis in the workday. Um, that's what 12 to one is. That's the perfect description. An oasis in the workday, 12 to 1 p.m. Put it on a fucking postcard. A plus. Let's go. Um, all right. I'm going to get a postcard and start taking my lunch break. <laughs> yeah, and I would I would greatly appreciate it. So if you ever find such a postcard, please do send it my way. Um, you can send me a DM and I'll send you my address. And uh, can of post, baby. All right. Um, so we have two picks left. I have two picks left to make. Um, so four picks overall. Ooh, this one's tough. This one is tough, um, but uh, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. You know, I thought I thought about five to six. I thought about it, and then I said no, thank you, um, because I'm already a bit too evening concentrated. This e- this whole draft has been too evening concentrated. If you take five to six with your next pick, uh, your entire draft is all in the nighttime, which I guess follows your existence as pain motto. But uh, <laughs> I don't think that's so smart. Um, and so with my next pick, I am picking the best hour. I don't know. This is tough. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three to four. Ah, should I go three to four? Should I go two to three? Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking one second. Those are both terrible ideas. Stop it. Stop it. Let me, let me just choose. All right. Stop. Do not interrupt my draft (sighs) process here. Fine. Fine. Um, Fine. Make your selection. All right, you know what? Never mind. Inventing. I will take neither. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is fucking elite. Um, 10 to 11 a.m. Now, 
lots of things going on for 10 to 11 a.m. All right. It's not the very beginning of the workday. So it's not 830. It's not nine o'clock. You're not completely miserable. But 10 to 11 is where you have really kind of gotten settled into whatever you're doing. Um, and it's like peak product productivity. That's like that's what I feel. 10 to 11. All my 10 to 11 classes, I'm always feeling awake uh, and ready to learn and ready to work. Um, and so that's good. And also on the weekends, that's typically when I wake up and I wake up to a nice weekend breakfast. Um, and so truly 10 to 11 is the elite part of the morning. I'm taking the best hour in the morning, hands down. There's nothing even close to this. Um, 11 to 12, you're fucking hungry. You want lunch. You're just waiting for 12 to one, which is my time slot, by the way. Uh, and so 10 to 11, you're just, it's the best of the morning. It's the best of the morning. Let's go. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're the only person who thinks of 10 to 11 as like peak productivity hours. Uh, 10 o'clock is the time I woke up today. It was not because I wanted to. It's because I'm trying to start waking up a little bit earlier so that I'm less blindsided when I have to wake up at like 7.30 tomorrow to get to work on time. But anyway, uh, I am going to argue a point that you recently made, which is that it's a bad thing that my draft is very compact, all right? Because this isn't, it's not like we're building, say, oh, for example, a team of letters where you need a diverse, like, set of, of skill sets or something like that, all right? Here, what I'm trying to do is I am picking the best times of the day. And just as it so happens, as one might expect, the best times of the day happen to be pretty close together. Uh, and because of that, all right, let me let me ask you something. Just... Oh, boy. Actually, don't you don't even have to answer this because I know what the answer okay. is. Would you rather be working or not working? The answer is not All working, right. clearly. No. All right. So, would you rather be productive at ten to eleven p.m. Uh, sorry, eleven ten to eleven a.m. Or would you rather be sleeping at five to six a.m.? I know my answer. Uh, five to six. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm asleep. Holy I'm at peace. Shit. It's Holy a wonderful, shit. beautiful thing. The miracle of what sleep. What a fucking atrocious pick. All right. I love Jesus. being asleep there. You're going to get completely fucking steamrolled in the polls. Um, Not even. No, no, you don't I, understand. You're so out of touch. You're very out of touch with how many, with how much I people would, actually enjoy sleeping. I would not trust you to run any sort of election campaign of mine. Let me just put that <laughs> up there. Um, this is going to poll at 0%. Your team. Holy crap. Um, only the, no, only this the, is going to be my best one yeah, only the, only the crazy people are just gonna. Oh yes, this is the better time. No, I clearly took. Anyways, um, let's 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 attack this five to six a.m. What are you talking about? What are you on? What? If you want to pick a good sleep time, take three to four. Don't take five to. What's six. the difference? And what do you mean? What's the difference? People wake up from five to six. Some people wake up at five thirty to go to work. Some people wake up at six o'clock to go to work. And you're talking about oh, I hate it when I wake up. I existence is pain. Well, some people wake up at those times. Um, you know. Well, guess so, what? Not most people. So there. You know, some people wake up at three thirty. Also, some people wake up at all, right, all sorts all right. of times. I have, I have, I've plenty of experiences, of not plenty, but like you know. Lots of people have lots of experiences with waking up at five thirty, waking up at six o'clock, more than you might think. I think. Um, and so, you know, picking the time at which they wake up, their alarm goes off, they're bleary eyed, they're miserable. They don't want to go to work, but at your time they have to. And so five to six, complete fucking disaster. Um, I think you completely overestimated it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just continues in the trend of, uh, just miserable times by the exact uh, same miserable token, time being in your time by the oh. exact same token. I think All perhaps right. you underestimate how many people have to go to bed at 9 PM. Uh, in order to wake up at five thirty in the morning, and that was your uh, 
your second round pick where you were talking about, oh yeah, it's, it's nighttime, but it's not too early. You can still play the trumpet. All right. You can still do whatever you want. Well, guess what? Depending on some people's work schedule, maybe they have to go to bed at that time. So your second round pick now involves people going to bed and being asleep. So there. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 make a very clear distinction. Going to bed and being asleep are two very different things. Um, going to sleep, you're not conscious at all. Um, maybe you're dreaming. Going. To, uh, sorry, being asleep. And then when you when you tuck yourself into night, uh, tuck tuck yourself into bed, you're going to sleep. Maybe you do go to sleep at nine to ten. Um, but that's that's not a bad time. Sorry, I have to sneeze. Um. Anyways, that's that's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a net negative. When you go to sleep, you're like, oh, I had a nice day today. It was very productive. Now let me just go and rest peacefully in my slumber. Uh, and so what you call a knock, I think many people would call a plus. And I think you just boosted my 9 to 10 p.m. pick with your point. So thank you very much. Um, and so lastly, I have decided uh, between 2 to 3 and 3 to 4 p.m., I will be selecting 2 to 3 p.m. Um, it is... It is in fact because that's a very the part of the hour. day where most people are are really sad and miserable, right? No, Isn't that, that your favorite that thing? Is, that is completely, completely out of touch, uh, with the general population. Um, first of all, two to three p.m. is snack time. All right. Um, and who doesn't love snack time? It's not full blown meal. It's fucking snack time. Usually, <laughs> it's something sweet. It's always something tasty. Uh, and yeah, it's the midpoint between lunch and dinner just mathematically, but also mentally. And you're just like, huh, let me grab a quick snack. And it's always good because you don't have to think about health when you're thinking about snacks. At least some people don't. Maybe you do. But even then, it still fills you up nice and good. Uh, and it's tasty as fuck. So uh, who's ever had a bad snack? That's my question. You know, like snacks, they're your choice all the time. It's just, <laughs> it's a good time. Uh, and 2 to 3 p.m. is the perfect time for that. You know, 3 to 4, now we're edging up. Uh, we're closing up on uh, dinner territory. But 2 to 3, you know, you lunch is typically lighter than dinner so you know you can you can you can take it a bit closer to lunch you know it's perfectly acceptable at least i think so and two to three is also a nice productive time i think you know uh you from one to two you're just kind of digesting your lunch but two to three the digestion has been completed you are now filled with the energy that you just consumed during lunch and you're ready to be productive you're ready to listen to those podcasts and you're ready to fucking eat snacks so uh (laughs) just elite time and best hour of the afternoon frankly so honestly, I got the best in the morning. I got the best in the afternoon. Meanwhile, this guy's getting five to six a.m. Yikes! Um, yeah. So we'll put this on the Instagram poll after you've uh, made your last pick, which uh, I, I I'm firmly expecting a complete gong show of a pick. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've completed my draft class, and it's completely elite. All right, your draft class sucks. I gotta say, this might be one of your worst ones oh so my far. God. But anyway, uh, I gotta say, I I do like snack time also. Uh, but let's let's take let's look for a minute back at some of the earlier picks we made in this draft. Okay. All right, you start with seven, eight p.m., eight to nine p.m., nine to ten, ten to eleven. All right, and then after that, you went midnight to one a.m., uh, leaping over an hour of the night, eleven to twelve p.m. And from what I remember, the main oh, thing, the main reason you didn't want to take eleven to midnight, was because you felt like. It, it, it offered up some kind of sense that you were running out of time, that the day was almost finished. And I've got to say, which I think you probably do recognize, that is a totally irrational fear, uh, which is totally nonsensical, because once it gets to midnight, then it's just after midnight, and you have as much time as ever before. Uh, and guess what? That has all the benefits of midnight to one, the hour that comes right after it, as well as the hour that comes right before it, plus 
it's snack time, at least for me, 11 p.m. to midnight. Uh, the final hour of the day is also the final pick of our draft. If that isn't how, some how nice fitting. poetry that's that's Beautiful. worthy of more points and more votes than I don't know Art. what could possibly be. No, no uh, how are you talking about? I have an elite team okay. here. There's no question about it. Oh my I God. say it's mediocre team. We got 7 to 8 p.m., 8 to 9. Oh, sorry, sorry. 7 to 8 p.m., 9 to 10 p.m., midnight to 1 a.m., 12 p.m. to 1 p.m., 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., and 2 to 3 p.m. Just a, a mishmash of, of hours that have no awesome. chemistry and awesome. don't gel together whatsoever. They've never met each other before in their life. And meanwhile, on my team, we've got very nice vibes, all right? We've got... We got 8 to 9 p.m., 10 to 11 p.m., 4 to 5 a.m., 6 to 7 p.m., 5 to 6 a.m., and 11 p.m. to midnight. This team is brilliant because it combines dinner time with late night relaxation with being asleep. Everyone's three favorite things. Meanwhile, Ty says, you're like, oh, be productive in the morning. Oh, eat an afternoon snack. Oh, why don't you eat lunch at work? It's just a bunch of just nonsensical things that aren't fun at all. So I frankly don't think this is close at all. Okay, look, look. You said, you said, oh, this craft class has nice vibes. That's completely incorrect. It has the vibes of someone who doesn't want to be awake. All right. Um, and yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. This I is think you'd be surprised at how many people part. would love to be asleep. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Meanwhile, and- no one is ever sleeping in your draft class, except some people are probably at midnight to one in the morning would probably be asleep. But I mean, come on. You drafted it because you're like, oh, it's nice to be awake at this time. So that barely counts. Oh, stop it. All right. Um, no, but like, you know, being awake is awesome. All the fun things happen when you're awake. Uh, Demonstrably false. Literally all not the highlights. All the highlights happen when you're awake. Um, this is, you picked a bunch of fourth liners. Um, I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, look at this. Your draft class. Your draft class. I can't believe you just called sleep a fourth liner. Six, six to seven. Foundational. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. All your picks within that time span. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That is incredibly narrow-minded. This is the equivalent of drafting, you know, a bunch of scrubs, but also they all happen to be defensemen. Uh, you have no attack whatsoever, no bite, uh, and uh, you're letting all the goals into your net. Uh, meanwhile, if we're making this all a hockey analogy, uh, and yeah, I just I have variety across the board. I have studs all over the place, and I took the and best. You have variety. Now, you have a bunch of players that can't work together. No chemistry. I'll stop it. I'll stop it. I'll stop it. Ours don't need chemistry. Ours just need to go by. All right. And, <laughs> you know, like morning, best hour of the morning. There's no identity best is hour a better word for it. There's no identity best. to your team. It's like, it's like, oh, what does this team stand for? Like, what are you're like, okay, you're watching a hockey game at night, but then you're also like eating lunch at work. Like, what is this? Right. I don't understand. You're, 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 yeah. My identity is, is the, uh, is the best of life. Yours is unconsciousness. The so, best uh, of life is eating lunch at work. Oh man, you should lose just because of that comment. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. it. It provides the highlights of different parts of the day. Um, so yeah, you got completely crushed, man. I, I've never seen anything like it. I fully expect that this might be unanimous. This might be our first unanimous poll. Honestly, um, so your, your arrogance in the face of pure defeat is, is, uh, I was going to say remarkable, but maybe um, admirable is a better word. Honestly, I'm impressed right, every, with, with right, how, yeah. how well you're pretending you've done, even though I've clearly this destroyed is, you in every facet of the game. This is this is completely delusional. Um, you know, you should go talk to some people about these hours, see what they think. And that's what we'll do in our poll. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, we'll be putting this on Instagram. 
in a couple uh, days. In a few days. Yep. And you can answer. I'll try to remember to check the better time. team. Right. Yeah. And so I can. Yeah. You. I'll make sure you check it just to prove to you that I completely dominated. Um, and so yeah, don't forget to uh, follow us on Instagram if you do. If you do want to vote, follow us on Instagram. Please do vote in our poll. Show Alex just how wrong he is um, in uh, picking all these night hours. Uh, and if you happen to be there, you might as well already follow. Uh, and so unless you have anything else to add before we end this episode today, uh, we're ending on a very good note. I am at least. That is not it. You. For no, I'm 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 more satisfied with this draft than any of the previous ones. I've got to say, you've got a bunch of duds. Insane. I've got a bunch of stud. Hours. Insane Thanks for listening take. to this episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. As Ty say said, you can follow us on Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter too. Um, we will maybe be back like a week from today or maybe eight days from today. Uh, we'll see. Sometime next week, either Saturday or Sunday, you can expect a new episode.